Hello and welcome back to the Across the Pod NFL podcast as part of the Say It Again Network. Apologies for our week away, but we are back now for a week nine review. And with me this week, I've got a returning guest, someone you may have heard from last season, as well as our Seahawks season preview. I've got back with us, Javan. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. You can address me as TYT Javan now because I'm actually part of a podcast group. Um, I'll talk about that probably in the outro, but I am I'm good. Um, really enjoying the NFL season so far. Um, we're probably going to get onto my team, the Seahawks, a bit later, but it's good to be back. Yeah, I think we are going to go to Seahawks later on, but it's um, definitely a lot different to how we planned this season going for a lot of teams, but definitely the Seahawks is one of them where it's just been a crazy, crazy season. Looking at, you know, the I was looking earlier at the sort of the the playoff picture as it stands at the moment, and you know, involved in the playoff picture involved the Dolphins and the Jets. I mean, the Jets and the Giants are both involved in the playoff picture. You know, the Vikings are the number two seed, Eagles number one seed in the NFC, um, Bills and Chiefs number one and two seed in the NFC. That's a bit more predictable. But I just found this season's been so unpredictable, and the parity has just been really clear. I mean. Look at there. We obviously are going to mention them later on, but the Packers are three and six. The Buccaneers were three and five until yesterday or day before yesterday. And I think it has been one of the most. I mean, I did an article on this a few weeks ago about how it's just been a strange season. I mean, you've got quarterbacks that are playing there. I mean, you've got Junior Smith has completely exceeded expectations. You know, Brady and Rodgers have been definitely worse than expected. Two has had a resurgence. It's just been not the season, and also the AFC West what everyone thought would be the AFC West turns out as being the AFC East. So it's definitely been a, a weird season, but it's been, it's been really enjoyable as well. No, I, I mean, when we talk about like what we had thought of the team going into the season, we thought that a lot of things were going to look differently. We thought the AFC East was going to be pretty weak. We thought the AFC West was going to be, you know, strong as hell. Um, I certainly didn't think that, you know, the Giants and the Jets were going to be this good to the point where you have you have to look at them as Super Bowl contenders now. And I don't think we would have been talking about that in the offseason. People were just thinking, OK, let's OK, if the Giants and the Jets improve will be slightly not to this degree, mm-hmm. even the storylines itself have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, looking right now at the playoff picture, number one seed in the AFC to number seven is the Bills, then the Chiefs, then the Ravens, fair enough, Titans fourth, yeah, sort of, and then the Jets, Dolphins, Chargers, NFC-wise from one to seven. Currently, as it stands, it's the Eagles, then the Vikings, then the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys and the Giants, and then the 49ers. But the teams, for me also, there's this teams that are currently not making the playoffs as it stands. I mean, you've got the... Bengals are currently missing out, the Colts are missing out, the Broncos are missing out, the Raiders. Um, and then looking at the NFC, which is even more shocking, you've got the Falcons and the Commanders, fair enough. Then it's the Rams, the Saints, the Packers, the Cardinals are all missing out in the playoffs. And then the Bears, Lions and Panthers, we all knew they wouldn't anyway. So it's just been, I mean, we are going to mention these teams in a bit more depth in this podcast episode, but it has just been a crazy, crazy season so far. No, definitely. You can say that again. Uh, I, I, this might be the weirdest NFL season I've watched. Yeah, I'd agree. And it goes back to the article I wrote. It has been really strange. And, um, you know, 
even and get the stats up now that the callback leaders are something again like no one expected even that it's looking at the passing stats obviously top five actually as expected so you've got you know Mahomes, Brady, Burrow, Allen, Herbert but then in then you've got Trevor Lawrence is ninth in passing yards, Geno Smith is sixth, Jaden Hurts is tenth, Goff eleventh, uh, Russell Wilson is nineteenth, Lamar Jackson eighteenth and looking at passing touchdowns as well looking at obviously Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Jackson top four but Geno Smith is fifth as is Tua Tagovailoa. Jared Goff is tied with Aaron Rodgers for passing touchdowns. Kirk Cousins is tied with Justin Herbert. You know, Trevor Lawrence and Jimmy Garoppolo both 13th, both ahead of Brady, um, ahead of Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson. So, yeah, it has been, you know, yeah, I think it has been yeah, definitely one of the, the weirder but more fun NFL seasons. I've just been so lucky that I've been there to witness a lot of these games. I'm jealous that um, Andy is actually watching these games, by the way, and I'm sitting at the comfort of my own home um, <laughs> watching watching these games. Um, like the like the game um, last not last night, sorry, but the Monday night game between mm-hmm. the Bucks and the Rams. I reckon atmosphere wise, amazing to to be at. I can only I can only dream. I'm not there. Yeah, I mean, even I wish I'd been. I mean, I, I went to Raymond James about two weeks ago to watch the Ravens play the the, the Buccaneers, and the atmosphere then was incredible. It really was just, I mean, the game itself, I don't think, yeah, the game atmosphere was pretty good. The Ravens fans really travelled well, but the Buccaneers stadium looked incredible. And I can imagine, you know, at Tampa Bay, when, you know, we'll mention this game later on, but I imagine for that game, it was just tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of games I went to, um, the week started on Thursday night as the Philadelphia Eagles travelled to the Houston Texans at the NRG Stadium to take on the Houston Texans. And in the end, it was a routine win for the Eagles. Probably as close as we imagined was a 29-17 win for the Philadelphia Eagles. The passing leader was Jaden Hurts, who had 243 yards. The rushing leader was Damian Pierce, who had 139. And the receiving leader was Davis Goddard, who had 100 receiving yards. So... At the end of that, as we expected, the Houston Texans are that have the worst record, if not the second worst record, with a with only one win so far. Where the main talking point of this game is the Eagles, who now have a franchise record with an eight to zero start. They're the only team left that have not lost a game yet, and it's just been a tremendous start. And I think their schedule really doesn't get any harder. Really, the next um, few games, looking at you know. They've played some fairly, I will give them some sort of respite. They have played the Lions, the, the Commanders, the Jaguars, the Steelers and the Texans. So their first sort of, you know, eight games haven't exactly, apart from the games against the Vikings and the Cowboys maybe, haven't exactly been the, the hardest games in the world. But you've got to give the Eagles credit for the start they've made and the fact they are. They are 8-0. No, you've got to give credit because they easily could have been complacent with the teams that they were playing against. We we look, you know, when you look at the schedule and the games that you've just listed, how many Eagles fans would have predicted an 8-0 record? And they probably would have predicted a few wins. I reckon that they probably thought, okay, if we can get at least five wins, you know, we're, we're, we're fine here. But 8-0, it's just ridiculous. But I think it's just a true credit to the mentality that that locker room has right now. And a lot of it has to stem from the confidence that Jalen Hurts is bringing in. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at him now, he's 
had got 12 passing touchdowns in comparison to just two interceptions. And looking at his yardage, he currently is a 10th best with 2,042. And um, again, this goes back to one thing we see in the offseason. Two of the biggest receiver moves came from AJ Brown and Tyree Kill, and they've both been tremendous. And they've both seen these callbacks completely elevate their game. And Jaden Hurts has been excellent, and he's been exactly the quarterback we all thought he'd be. I mean, he's AJ Brown is sixth in the league for receiving yards with 718. And looking at the passing touchdowns, only Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Kelsey have more receiving touchdowns than AJ Brown at the moment. And I think I look at the Eagles and everyone's talking about, you know, this offense, looking at Mar Sanders has been great. You know, you've got AJ Brown and obviously Hurts, but the defense has also been really good. And I think it has been a tremendous I mean, they've got, they're pretty much stacked for me in most positions. Um, I, it's just, I love Hassan Reddick and I love Fletcher Cox and they've both been brilliant. But the depth chart is brilliant. Looking at it now, they've got, um, you know, James Bradbury, Marcus Epps, CJ Gardner-Johnson, Darius Slay or Slay, I would like it to be called, you know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat. It is, it's a brilliant, brilliant team. I think that you've got to give a lot of credit as well to... Um, head coach Nick Sirianni because he came in like myself a lot of people were predicting the Eagles to um, in, in his first season to be one of the worst in the league they were predicting the Eagles to go for a rebuild and they made the playoffs and this season again I think the playoffs is pretty much a guarantee unless something horribly wrong goes on um, and they could well go the season I mean looking at their schedule now their rest they got the Packers which right now seems an easy game but they got the Titans Dallas, and that's really it. They could even end the season fourteen and three, or thirteen and four, or something, and that would probably get a number one seed, if not number two seed, depending on how the Vikings get on. So you've got to really give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit, and I think that how he, him, and Harry Rosen have built this team in the off season, as well as how he got this team performing in the regular season. I mean, what watching the game on Thursday, I mean. They started off quite slowly, I must admit. They did start off slowly, but every third down, particularly in the first two quarters, they would make the necessary yardage. They don't think they had a single punt in the first quarter and second quarter, from my memory, if not maybe one late on. But for a lot of times, they were making every third down, whether it's 10 yards, 20 yards, 2 yards. They were so electric on the third down. And it's again, it just goes down to the schemes and the schedule and the, sort of the coaching that Nick Sirianni's done. No, the third down efficiency was probably the story of this game. Houston were an awful two of nine when it came to, you know, conversion on third down. And for me, I think I, I'm I'm still a bit worried about their their I'm still a bit worried about their defense, mainly because I like I like how the defense is set up, but I know come when they actually face, you know, good opposition or credible opposition. And that credible opposition actually has like a well-oiled offense. I'm a bit worried about them, in particular, their run defense. You kind of saw it in the Texans game. Like, it, like the game shouldn't have been closer than what it was. For, for, for the Texans to score 17, not saying that they, not saying the Eagles need to be worried about that, but you face a team like Kansas where, you know, you you got to be, you gotta be perfect, probably defensively. And I don't know if that I don't know if the same form that they're facing against these teams that you know if most people will say are below average come, you know, when they actually face credible opposition. I don't know if they're 
performances that they're performing now defensively can translate against the much stronger sides. Yeah, looking at it right now, looking at their 20th when it comes to uh, rushing yards allowed per game, I mean, they're, they've currently allowed um, 121.4 um, yards per game when it comes to rushing, which is a complete comparison to their passing defence, which, as it stands, is third for yards per game allowed. Only the Packers and the Broncos have got more yards per game allowed in the passing game, and they're second in terms of total yards. So I think, you know... We mentioned before that Damian Pierce was the rushing leader, and I think that is how you stop the Eagles. I think passing yards, they seem brilliant. I mean, you know, the Texans receiver were pretty much who you throw into sort of mentality, but rushing on Damian Pierce had a great game, and he was unlucky really to be on the losing side because he was brilliant and he was the only real source of any sort of breakaway that they had was, was through him. And I think that, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule, I mean, they've got to play. The tandem, one of the best in my league in the league, I think, in the Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott duo. Aaron Jones have got a phase. They've got to face Jonathan Taylor if he's back. Obviously, Derek yeah. Henry is a massive one in week thirteen. They've got to play Derek Henry in the Titans. Which could, I think that I think that I think that could be the game that ends there and beat and run. Looking at I think they'll beat the Commanders, they beat the Colts, the Packers, I think that on their day, they could lose to them, but I think the Packers are just out of sorts completely. More on them later on, but they've been really out of sorts this year. And then I think they got the Titans, then the, the Giants, and even the, the even say the Bears the week after because Justin Fields had a great day rushing against the Dolphins. He had a great I think, game. I think that that week 13-14, I think could be the one where they lose because Derrick Henry has been excellent this year, and Saquon Barkley. We talked about it on WhatsApp the other day. I think he will win Comeback Player of the Year. He's been brilliant. Um, he's got the third most rushing yards this season with 779 and then he's got the third most uh, passing touchdowns um, excuse me, no, he's got the 10th most passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns with uh, 5 and Derek Henry is, num- is number 1 in rushing yards and only Nick Chubb has more rushing touchdowns than Derek Henry, so I, I think for me I don't know what you feel Javan that, that week 13-14 will, will be when they eventually lose their first game well, that, that's that's good. It's it's tricky because by that week, the Eagles probably could have um, perhaps maybe improved on that run defense, maybe adjusted mm-hmm. on that. So it, it's it's tough it's tough to say, but that probably is the matchup where the the problems of the run defense are going to arise and be glaring to see for mm-hmm. even the neutral watching that watching that time. Yeah, and I think that you know, I was watching it as a Dolphins fan, really hoping that they could end their beat run so I you know our record still stands. The only thing we have going against other teams is that unbeaten record. So I'm hoping that they do lose at some point. I personally can't see them winning. I can see if they even if they go seventeen and zero, I can see them losing the playoffs. But I, I do think right now, if someone asked me what is my Super Bowl matchup, I would probably have the Eagles all the probably the Eagles, all the Bucks to be fair, as my NFC team. So I think they could do it, but I think if they can survive week 13 and 14, then maybe they could do it then. Um, obviously, it all depends whether they get to the last game or two, whether they play their starts. If they've already made the playoffs and won the division, it's a question of whether they even start their starts or whether they want to go for this record. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on, but I think the Eagles, yeah, a lot of credit goes down to them and how good they've been. Um, 
Sunday games, I'll start off with a game, again, I was at. Uh, the Falcons lost narrowly to the Chargers in a 20-17 loss with a last-minute field goal, winning it for the Chargers. But then next game was the Dolphins against the Bears. I had the chance to speak to uh, returning guest, Bears fan Luke Campbell, for our Bears-Dolphins review. So now it's time for our regular segment on the podcast, which is, of course, my time to speak to fans of every team the Dolphins played throughout the season. So as you know, this week we face the Chicago Bears and won 35-32. And with me, I'm joined by a returning guest, um, someone you may have known from our season preview podcast or even our Chicago Bears season preview. I've got with me from the Hair Dry Treatment podcast, Luke Campbell. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm really good, mate. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm not bad, not bad. I saw you in um in Wembley recently with a Steve. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, London game. Oh, it was so good. It was so good actually. It was a good. It was actually a really good game. Mm. Um, we, you know, my friend Chris is a massive, massive Broncos mm. fan, so we kind of arranged it for a while. Um, but then the Broncos' offense was so dreadful. I was actually secretly dreading the game because I just thought this is going <laughs> to be so terrible. But actually, it was a really great game. It was a good atmosphere. Um, really enjoyed the result for Chris. It was a great result, actually. So he was delighted. But we, we, most of all, we just we just love repping the shirts mm. and playing. You know the shirt bingo where you see all of the, the, yeah. the you know shirts. We did see every single team in it. So everyone, okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I loved it. That's what it's all about. You know, and people wore it with pride. I love that. Even Packers fans, you know, even <laughs> Packers fans. <laughs> well, for once, you've got um, you know, got the chance to actually. You can actually tease them now because they are doing so badly. It, it better feels weird for you. But um, I'll tell you what surprised me, actually. During my travels around America, I've been doing, yeah. you know, I'm seeing a lot of different jerseys, even in the games in America. I always thought it was just a London thing, you know, just or even a Mexico and Germany thing, just the yeah. fact that they're just celebrating the sport. But I've noticed, I've been to games, you know, I've seen, I went to, what, I went to Falcons Chargers on the weekend. Mm. And mm. it was, I saw Joe Barrow top for the Bengals. Cool. I've seen Packers tops at... At, um, Giants games. I've seen Dolphins jerseys of Bucks games. I've seen. I found that very. It surprised me because I thought you would just see the home and away team. I didn't think you would ever see. I mean, it's not every team like London. It's only a handful of teams, but uh, mainly the same sort of ones, I think. But um, it, it just, just surprised me the fact that you know. I thought I would just see, you know, just see the two teams that are playing, but um, it just shows how much people love the sport and really there's been no. I, mean, I don't think you could wear a Bears jersey to a Packers game, or you could wear a. I don't know a Giants jersey to a Cowboys game, but I think most times I think fans don't really don't really care about that. I think as long as you're enjoying the game, I think that's all people yeah. care about, really. Exactly, exactly, and I, I think it's good, you know, because I think you should wear your your, your you know your team's jersey with a bit of pride mm-hmm. and and enjoy the game, and and you know it's it's really important, I think, for the development of the game, you know, overall, and 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 not just in you know uh, you know here in Europe, but I think in the, in the US. You've got to promote people really loving it and, and 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 loving the game for what it is, and not not just your own team, but you know the whole game and the whole thing. And we'll talk about this during the the match, you know, and the the match review itself. But it was just, you know, that's what I love about it. I love the game so much that you know it, 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 it's brilliant. It doesn't matter who I watch. Yeah, I agree. I think that personally, I love the fact that sports growing. I mean, it'll get harder in a few years when. It's already got to a point now where tickets are unbelievably hard to get. And I think it's getting mm. to that point now where, you know, it is really hard. And I, I've got to say now, I've got to have a rant because I'm tired of every year seeing these influencers or people who can't get invited to these games for free, don't know a thing mm. about the sport. When for me, we're at a point now where we don't need to try and promote the game to that, to that extent. We've already got a fan base. We don't mm. need people like 
sorry to say, we don't need a medium the Moldenberg. We don't need all these people that don't know the sport or someone like, even footballers like, the, I don't know, Mason Mount was there once. Like, mm. it, it, that's, I think, fair enough, but I think if they're trying to get these people in just so they can then try and promote the sport to others, it, they don't, we don't need it because we already have the fan base. I'm just, I'm just tired of seeing people who don't know the rules and don't know the game and are sometimes even Instagram stories mocking the sport at yeah. games because I think now, 10 years ago, yeah, fair enough, but now, I think now we're at a point where you know, tickets selling nine times over in London. I just don't think Absolutely. we need we need people like. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of her, but Maya Jammer does need to be at the game to try and promote the game. You know, we need to be actually having people who either... be at the, the the game because they're a fan of the the, exactly. the sport. You know, or, or following their team or whatever. You know, and that, I think that's the and you're going to see that increasingly these days. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to see put more popular media figures going. This is my team. That's why I'm here. Yeah. You know, and I, mean, that's, I, I love that. <laughs> I mean, you had Rob Holding at the game, and he's a big Niners fan. So I think that was mm. you had. If people like that, I love having people like. Yeah. I think those seats, because those seats these people are getting are actually really good. So I think that it should either be people who are fans of sport but famous, or people who would, or maybe it's like competition or something where people can just win yeah. it. Because I think at the end of the day, I, I think I just don't think they need to anymore sell the game that way. I think there's definitely other, other ways they can do it. But we are here for one reason and one reason only. It is the involvement of both our teams as the Dolphins did beat the Bears 35-32 at the very sunny, I imagine, cold Soldier Field. Yeah. In terms of the game itself, it was a defensive um, horror show from both teams. I mean, they allowed mm-hmm. both Justin Fields and Tua Tango to just run the show. I mean, Tua had 302 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. And Justin Fields had 28 attempts, 123 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, and also that amazing 61-yard, um, I believe you'll see a 61-yard rushing touchdown, which was one of the highlights of the game. So, obviously, as a Bears fan, you did lose this game. What was your take on the on the game overall for your team? Do, do you know what? I, th- I really felt like we found, it, it was almost like we, we found our guy you know, the, the the QB, you know, we, we knew he was there. I mean, I, I've, I've been kind of unstinting in my my praise of him. I said when we drafted him, I thought it was a smart move and I thought he would be great for us. I, I'm, what I'm glad to see, I think, is that they've evolved the, the offensive scheme to really suit his strengths and, and to allow him to, you know, to, to be pretty much unplayable because you could see it a lot of times, you know, I, I, we'll talk about this, you know, the the, the defensive scheme from the the. the the Dolphins, but they had a spy a lot of the times and the spy couldn't keep up with them. <laughs> and, and and I loved it. You know, I love that aspect of it. I think that, um, you know, it, it sets us up in a very good position for next year. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping is that we can put the tools in hand that will make a difference and, 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 and mean that we can, you know, legitimately turn the corner and, and, and you know, go from zero to, you know, as, as much as we possibly can. Um, and, I, and I think this year is all about giving him this the, the confidence and the vision to do that for the rest of this season. It doesn't really matter what happens now. Um, you know, we, we, we already know we're planning for next season, but I just thought it was so encouraging. I thought, um, I thought his play, Justin Fields, was unbelievable. I thought he was so good. Um, and I thought that... Um, I was I was really encouraged by it all. Um, defensively, we knew what we were getting, so I wasn't I wasn't that surprised in all honesty. And 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 you know you just cannot defend against Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, no matter what, right? You just can't. You know that, 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 we've already seen that throughout this season. Um, 
so so I wasn't really surprised that that you know he, he, that, that especially Terry Kill got open so so much and got found so much because the guy's amazing. He's he's genuinely one of the, you know if not the best wide receiver in football at the minute. Um, so I, I I was just pleased it was competitive. I was pleased that we we came close. Um, I didn't actually watch the match live, but I did get into trouble for my wife because I watched the last part just when we were trying to get back into it. Right in the 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 in the two minute warning at the end, and I got into big trouble for it. But that's fine; I can live with that. Um, but I, I was kind of surreptitiously watching it while we were watching something else. Um, so I was a bit gutted that we didn't take it closer. But do you know what? What a game! What a game! It was unbelievable. It was like it really was total. I watched it in its entirety the next day, and it was just pure. It was amazing. Really good. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was obviously at a game in Atlanta, but I was. Uh-huh. Especially to, even towards the end, you know, when the Chargers won it by field goal, I was constantly, I mean, I was doing it twice actually, I was doing it for Liverpool Spurs as well. But when yeah. I was towards the end of the game, I was constantly checking the scores because, yeah. you know, I remember I was in the queue at half time to get um, some food and drink. And I remember uh-huh. watching the Jason Sanders missed field goal from like 20 yards. <laughs> I mean, getting very frustrated and hot, hot and um, hot and flushed it in the queue, getting annoyed at that. But yeah. Um, Justin Fields, obviously, he's not thrown a pick in his last in the last two games. Had three touchdowns, zero picks in this yeah. game. Two touchdowns, zero picks in mm. the loss to Dallas, and then he threw for one each um, in the New England win. Um, and same again against Washington, and he threw for one touchdown, zero interceptions against the Vikings in that loss. But he has got a rushing touchdown in the last three games. So, I mean, we've seen with. Um, I'm not saying Chase Capel was anywhere near on Tyreek Hilda, but we've seen with two of his improvements since getting a second elite wide out. So do you think yeah. that having someone, having Capel this, but also getting, if you can get someone in next year, whether that's in the draft, whether that's free agency, do you think that could then help Jaden, uh, not Jaden, Justin Fields go from being the promising quarterback oh. he is to then becoming, you know, the player we all saw out of out of college. Absolutely, without a question. I mean, I thought I thought that the, the the acquisition of Claypool and a lot of Bears fans will disagree with me, but I was pleased that we got him because I felt that he was stagnating in in the Steelers' offense. I mean, it's dreadful. Everybody, anybody would stagnate in that that offense right now. Right, mm-hmm. it's so bad. Um, but I thought that although we kind of overpaid, actually. Contextually, we 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 did the right thing because we stopped the Packers getting them, and that would have been disastrous for us. <laughs> so actually, the our second round pick, I'm okay with that if it stops them and it gives us a building piece for next year because we'll have him for the whole of next year and hopefully we'll extend him as well because I think he's he's good and I think if we can get someone in free agency, um, I, I probably would rather use free agency to get someone good. And use the draft to to you know to to, to bolster the 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 O line and the defense. I would say if, but it all depends on who's available, of course. Um, but if we could do that, then there's no reason why you couldn't suddenly turn from you know the, the, to become legit contenders because Claypool is good. He's proved it. You know when he when he first broke through, you know he really proved what he could do. I think you're yet to see the best of Mooney. In all honesty, I, I you know I think he. he he certainly gave enough of your guys a hard enough time, you know, to to show me that he had a wee bit there. So I think that probably they just need that little bit of depth and they need to do work in the old line to really protect fields. That's the key thing. Mm. You know, his legs will, will carry him, but you, you, you still have to have a good old line if you're gonna if you're gonna really compete properly. So so for me, I don't think we're that far away offensively. Defensively is another whole set, you know, another whole thing that that's a proper retooling. But 
you know, given the, the, the cap space and stuff that we've got next year and the number of picks we have, I'm pretty optimistic at this moment in time. Really optimistic. As optimistic as I've been in 30-odd years of being, you know, well, actually nearly 40 years of being a Bears fan. Well, yeah, it sounds to me that you also you'd rather get an offensive lineman in the in the draft and go for a free yeah. agent receiver. I'm looking now at the free agent wide receivers. I mean, the main and there's there's a lot of good but not elite wide receivers. I mean, you got um, Juju um, and you got Nicole Hardman. You've got um, Alan Lazard, Jameson Crowder, Jarvis Landry, um, Darius Slayton, and DJ Chark as well. Are there any of those guys there that you would take, or do you think that maybe for the fact there's no one that would change an offense like I'd, I'd love to have Juju actually. Yeah, I'd love to have Juju on my, them on my team. I think that'd be great. I, I, I've been a big fan of his for a long time actually. Um, so you know, um, I, I would love to see him on my, my team. I think he would be great. Actually, Chark might not be a bad shout as well actually, because mm-hmm. he he again is someone that you could get. Goodness only knows what kind of money we'll be paying next year because I think I think with the cap going up so much, you might see some big big deals. But assuming that you could get them on reasonable money, they 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 would be a definite upgrade in what you've got, and and they've got enough to you know to take you up a level. They, they may not be elite as such, but I think Juju in the right system could be you know is is, is really good. He'd be my pick of the, the pick of the bunch. In all honesty, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I, I don't think there's anyone there that would really strike me to go out and go and get pay a lot for I think Juju's look good under Mahomes but I think you know uh-huh. before that he had been quite mediocre the few years before that um, I mean again you could tr- trade up some first round picks to get a wide receiver in in, in the off season yeah. um, even someone like I, I mean my favorite player for the Dolphins is Mike Gazicki. he's probably leaving him as a pass catcher he's having him as a slot receiver I think he could be a really good option for you guys but um now, going from offense to defense, now, obviously, with a horror show, but the, the main talk point I wanted to get across today was the, the referee decisions. There was a a pass interference, defensive pass interference that um, you know, we had, you guys had against you in our favor of us. I think we got to the one yeah. yard line as a result. But then, near the end of the game, it was Javon Holland, and I can't think of the player who, and I can't think who even bears receiver was now, where there was a clear defensive pass interference that was not absolutely, yeah, yeah, and yeah. also that I think it was Mooney actually. I think it was Mooney. Okay, I yeah. Mean, so really I think that would have also that that was. I think it was after the two minute warning or just before in the fourth quarter. It, it would have changed the game completely, and you would have been at least in field goal range. Um, what was your reaction when you when obviously you watching the next day? Uh, obviously at the time, the last bit, and obviously then the highlights the next day. What was your take on, on that decision, and not not to give defensive pass interference? I was I was really surprised. Um, I mean, you, you know, when you see you see calls that you think, oh, that's you could easily give it either way. But I, I honestly, I didn't think it was. I thought, I thought it was as close to a no brainer as it possibly could get. And I, and I thought actually, I thought you were really lucky. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I really thought you were so lucky. Um, whether whether the the referee maybe you know the 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 referee was unsighted somehow, or maybe just, you know, turned, put his, you know, dark glasses on or something just at the end of the game, you know, oh, well, I don't really care anymore. But I, I thought it was pretty blatant. I don't, I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was pretty blatant. I agree. Know. I agree completely. I mean, and I, I watched a few highlights. I was surprised, actually. I watched it again tonight and I was still surprised. I yeah. was like, how did you get away with that? <laughs> it, it just seems like, that is that is a clear and obvious error. If they are going down, I don't know whether they did go to a um, 
at all the decision upstairs or not. But from what I saw, I there was no flag even thrown, and the players, the Bears players, mm. were seemingly incensed. And I can't blame them because we did get a bit lucky there. I do think that it was mm. one mm. of the clearest pass interferences I've seen since the um, the Saints Rams one in the in the NFC Championship game. Oh yeah, yeah. All yeah, years yeah. Ago. I mean that that's the worst oh, yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. But I think that's. Um, that was pretty not on par, but close to being on par with that decision. And I think that you know, I'm still I still feel that even if he got the field goal or even got the touchdown, I think we would have done it. We would have done what we needed in the last forty we, seconds. We couldn't like, defend against you. In all honesty, we and just well, we, we couldn't against you. And I think that with that offense we mentioned of Hill, Waddle, and even Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson yeah. in, the, in the running game, I yeah. I do think now we're at a point now where our offense is going to keep bailing us out. And I think our defense has been so bad, but offense has been so good. I think that our offense would have found the way, um, but the Bears aren't are great defensively as well. So I, I do think that they would have found the way to win the game. But who knows? You never know. We, we may have lost that game. But, you know, the thing that actually I thought, Andy, about that is that teams watch that and they think that's how to beat you. Mm. Because, yeah. you know, cause they, they, like I said, I don't know if you noticed all the time, but they had, I can't remember who it was. It was the number 41. He was a spy all the time, right? And I can't remember who he is for you guys. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he was doing the, the quarterback spy and you could see him tracking him, right? And he could see him trying to get across, but Justin Fields was too quick. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. And then once you get to that stage, and, and what they said was, which I thought was really interesting, was that Justin Fields basically says, right, okay, if they go man... I'm going to run with the ball. <laughs> There's yeah. no options. And then if they go zone, then I'm going to go and find someone. And, and you know, it, it was interesting. And I, I just wonder if other teams, especially in your division, are going to be watching that tape and thinking, right, how can we use that to, to beat you guys? Because I, th I think that might be the only thing that stops you guys winning that division, especially if Josh Allen is, is knocked out, but it, it looks like he might be out for a game or two. Um, that could actually see you guys get the advantage and take the division, I think. So... It's my only worry about the whole thing. Yeah, and we, I mean, we're going to go on and mention this later on in the rest of the episode with um with our guests. But I think that since of the we have been poor defensively, we're the fifth worst team when it comes to passing yards allowed, and when it comes to rushing mm. yards allowed, it doesn't get any better. We are actually middle of the road, which is a surprise considering how bad it's been stopping the run. Um, yeah. And even looking at the next few games, I mean. The Cleveland game worries me to death on Sunday mm -hmm. because you've got the double threat of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. Defense is so bad. Even Brissett may have a good day against us. The mm -hmm. 49ers game in week 13 with the same issue with McCaffrey and Debo. Um, week 14 against Eckler. Buffalo week 15, if he's fit, Josh Allen's legs. Um, you know, Aaron Jones in week 16. So I think that. Yeah, I think that if Josh Allen's fit, when, when there's no way we're not we're winning the AFC East, and I think we've got a chance if he does play. But I think if you're going to win the AFC East, we have to sort out this defence because we can't yeah. keep winning games by these ma ma massive scores. Be Baltimore was it 41-38, but you guys 35-32. You know, we beat the Lions 31-27. We keep winning these games, but we keep winning them with high scores. And, yeah. you know, even though we had no tour there, when we played the Vikings, Bengals and Jets, Mm. So going down by 20, once we they let 20, 30 points go, we found it very hard to get back. So I think as long as two is fit and as long as everyone's playing on offense, we'll win games. But I think that defense cannot mm. be exposed because it's right now it's a huge problem. And it's surprising because the last the last year or two we had Josh Boyer when we had Flores as head coach. You know, our, our defense is really good and it was our only really, our offense is really poor and our defense is really good. It's just, it seems quite annoying that it's all flipped around now where, 
the actual defense is really terrible and the offense is really good mm-hmm. and to show that maybe it wasn't Josh Boy, maybe it was Brian Flores. That was a genius mm-hmm. behind our defense, which mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. probably knew, but I think everyone thought maybe uh, Josh Boy would still be able to get the job done. But right now it seems like he is struggling without without Flores there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, it, it's an interesting question because I think you could argue that that you've bet the house on you know the the you know the the monster trade at the end of the trade window, which by the way I thought was great. I loved it. Oh yeah, I loved it. Loved yeah. it. And and I think you know I I felt like it was a bit of a missing piece for you guys actually. So I felt like um, you know it it's it was a sign that you guys fancy your chances, mm. and, and and you should by the way you totally yeah. should. And I think bearing in mind that. It is only, you know, really, what is it, you know, the first week after really the trade window, you're, you're going to see more production, I think, and you're going to see a lot more, you know, QB pressures and stuff. So that should result pretty much on a lot better figures for your your, your defence in general. And I think what you'll find is that, you know, things will settle down. And assuming everyone on the offensive side stays healthy, mm. I think you'll find there'll be bigger winning margins. Because I, I, I do think that, that Chubb's a, a real, you know, difference maker. And I, and I think, I thought he was a great, I thought it was a fantastic trade. I really do, you know, still do, still think that. So yeah. you should be delighted with that, mate, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember I was, I I want to say I was in, was I in Houston Space Center or Houston Zoo when the, when the news came out? I, I was somewhere. Tough life. Tough life you've got, mate, all yeah, over America. It's, it's, it's a real struggle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it, when I heard that news came out, it was just fantastic. And yeah, I, I've been a big fan of his for years. So I, when he came, I was all thinking, do I get a Bradley Chubb jersey? I'll probably save the money. I think you should, by the way. I think I will. I think... Um, See, I'd love to get a Tyreek Hill jersey, but I've got like a thing with numbers and I can't have a yeah. jersey with number 10 on it. It's like a really yep. weird OCD thing I've got. Um, and I love Tyreek Hill. <laughs> so maybe getting a Chubb jersey is the next best option. Um, but moving on to the Bears, I mean, looking yes. at the current playoff picture, you are three and six, um, yes. but only one win behind the, the seventh ranked team, which is the 49ers, but also you are two losses behind do you think, I'm going to look at your schedule now um, for the rest of the 2022 season. I mean, looking at your next game, uh, once my laptop loads, it will tell me. Um, so next game you face is against Detroit. And then you face Atlanta, the, Jet, the Jets, the Packers before bye week. And then you've got the Eagles, Bills, Lions, and then a final day meetup with the current NFC North leaders, the Minnesota Vikings. With what you saw with Justin Fields the last two weeks and how the defence has actually been okay at times this season, do you guys have any chance of making the playoffs? Do you guys, do you back your boys to somehow make a run and make the playoffs? Or do you think maybe this year is maybe one year too early in the rebuild? It's too early. I think I think what you'll find is that we might score you know, a good few points on, on, on offence if we get lucky. Um, but I think defensively, we're, we're going to be undoubtedly hurt by the the loss of Quinn and Rokan Smith, and, and there's no 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 getting away from it. There's no getting away from it. And I think although we've got guys coming in and, and doing a job, they're not as good, and and we're we're not going to be able to stop shipping points. Um, I would love us if we made the playoff. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I I just can't see it. I think that I think this year is is a sort of strategic tank. In all honesty, I think that's what it is that they're probably aiming for. What that I think it's at the moment we're projected to be the seventh or the eighth pick. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I can live with that. I think that's a good place to be in the draft, especially if you're not in the market for a QB. 
it's actually quite a good place to be when you think about it. So if we carry on with that, I'm all right with it because I can see the, the kind of promised ground for next season. Um, and I'm more all right with it now than I was maybe, you know, three, four weeks ago. Mm. Let's put it that way. You know, four weeks ago, I was really worried about it and thinking this might be really bad for us. But actually, I can see the, the positives. I think they've made some smart moves. I just don't see us making the playoffs, mate. I'd love it. I'd love it if we could, but I just don't see it. And final question, what would bring you more joy this season? Justin Fields' progression or the Packers' um, decline? Oh, the Packers decline every time. Every time. Come on, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to watch. Uh, honestly, there's, there's so much schadenfreude going about just now, isn't there? Just because, like, you know, they, they were they were hoping for big things and they found out the hard way that if you don't have any guys to, to, to throw the ball to, you're going to have problems. But also, not only that, but Rodgers looked terrible. Mm. So it, it made me laugh a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm delighted with Justin Fields. But just seeing the Packers get their comeuppance is, is worth it on its own. It's absolutely. And if we finish above them, I'll be delighted. Mm. <laughs> Packers certainly are in jeopardy. Um, but that has been the end of our Dolphins Bears reviews with Luke. So um, first of all, thank you, Luke, for coming on for this segment. Oh, you're very welcome, mate. Thank you. Thank, oh, thanks for making the time. It's been good to catch up as well. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been nice to, um, nice to catch up and talk all things Dolphins and Bears with you. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. No problem at all. So let's get into the rest of the episode. And then the next game saw the Panthers lose heavily to the Cincinnati Bengals, who won by 42 points to 21. And then the Colts did fire Frank Reich after a 26-3 loss to the New England Patriots. But our next game to focus on is the aforementioned Green Bay Packers, who lost 15-9 in Detroit against the Lions. I mean... Aaron Rodgers had a terrible day. He did lead the passing game with 291 yards, but it was his red zone efficiency that really let him down. He did have three interceptions and was sacked eight times. Um, My apologies. That is wrong, I believe, actually, looking at the stats. He was sacked just once. I do apologise. The ESPN had a really weird way of of doing it, where I think it was yards lost on the sack, but it made it look like he had eight eight sacks. Um, But he had three interceptions. They were all in the red zone. um, And he was actually their rushing leader as well, was 40 yards from just four carries. I mean, and Lions, you have to give him credit. I mean, Aidan Hutchinson got his first ever career interception, which... The, num- the number two overall pick um, will, you know, really bounce on that. But I think the Lions, you know, give them credit, they got the win in the second of the season. But that's not really what we're going to talk about in this in this in this segment. We are going to talk about the Packers, and you know, they went they came into London three and one. I think they were level, if not, they were leading the NFC North. But since that, they since they started that game against the, the Giants in London, it's all gone downhill. They lost every single game since then and it's been just a horrible really state of affairs for um for the Packers even I gotta go back to me side but it's really affected my income because I did use a betting site and did an accumulator where you bet on all eight division winners and the Packers I bet on them to win it and the Vikings you know completely gone again expectations and you know and they've lost to again they've lost to teams you would never have thought beside the Bills they lost to I mean they Start off, they lost to the Vikings, fair enough, division rivalry. They beat the Bears and Bucks, fair enough, they beat the Patriots. But then the teams they've lost to, if you told me at the start of the year, they'd lose to the Giants, the Jets in consecutive weeks, then the Commanders, 
and then the, the Detroit Lions after the Bills. I mean, it's. I mean, we had you know Adam, Abby, and Ash on in our Packers season preview, and you know they all had. 13, 14, 15 wins. I think even Abby had the whole team going unbeaten. And I don't think anyone would have said, right, if they're going to lose five games, you know, you, ha- you probably would have thought, yeah, maybe one to the Vikings, one to the Rams, one to the Cowboys and the Bills. But the fact they're losing to these ga- these teams, I mean, the game on su- on Sunday for me was a game they should not have lost. I mean, the Lions weren't great themselves. I mean, they led the they led most stats when it comes to rushing or receiving or passing. And, and again, they... The, Aaron Rodgers is a guy for years and years is a guy that's so efficient he never throws interceptions he's in the red zone it's pretty guaranteed touchdown or at least a field goal but it's just not happening and I I can't put it completely down to his receivers because Tonyan had multiple touchdown receptions in 2020 you know Alan Lazard is, is, is a good player Romeo Dobbs has impressed me at times the rookie Aaron Jones can catch the ball he can run the ball as well so I'm finding it weird to completely put it down to the receivers because I know, I know Devontae Adams isn't there anymore, but they still got capable receivers. And you look at that compared to like the Lions receivers, or the with the, with the exception of St. Brown, or you look at Texans receivers, and you know they aren't that bad. So I I I do have to put some bit down to Aaron Rodgers, but I think as well the defense has just been not the defense we thought it was going to be. I mean, looking again at the they are actually. Fourth, when it comes to passing up that yards allowed, um, and then defensive wise, that's the biggest issue. They are the fifth worst team when it comes to rushing yards allowed, and and then offensive wise, again, Aaron Rodgers has not been the same player we, we've seen. The back to back MVP. I mean, they're really middle of the ground when it comes to passing yards per total yards per game, passing yards per game. Then again, middle of the road, and then rushing wise. Um, they are again tenth, eleventh. So, I, 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 it's hard to know what to put it down to. What would you, Javan? What would you put it down the Packers' struggles to? I would mainly put it down to Aaron. But for me, the concern for me, the, the concern for me is what? At what point is he going to find his rhythm? Because he needs to find it soon. Because I, I've had it down in my notes that it was a horror show, of course. And they just can't seem to get it going. But this is a new low for his, for his career and also Green Bay as well. Because what essentially may happen in the next week is, say Green Bay lose um, their next game. So what happens now? Do you admit that the season's over? Because it might because it probably is at this point. Because you're now gonna go into because then you're then because then you're gonna be three and seven. And you know, at, at three and seven with Aaron currently going through the struggles that he's going through, it's like at what point are you expecting him to turn it around? Because he needs to he needs to he needs to turn it around pretty much now because you're reaching that point of the season where you know the playoff picture is going to look a bit more clearer than what it is currently and I can't help but feel that the Jamal Adams going plays a part in this too but Mm. I still felt I still felt that even had even with 
Adams leaving, that Green Bay at least had some fuel in the tank to keep it going, to at least be... Like, okay, if Green Bay don't win their division, you still expect them to have a winning record by this point. Mm. But not only do they have a losing record, the losing record's actually justified. It's not even due to bad luck. Mm. They're just playing poorly. And again, like my problem is, when are the great... At what point are the Packers going to just turn it around and find their mojo back? It's similar to what happened with Kansas City. I don't know if it was last season or the season mm. before. Last. Yeah, yeah, last season. Yeah, and they still ended yeah. up. They still ended up winning the AFC West, and they still ended up as the number two or number three seed. I think it was. So yeah, so it's like when so it's like and Mahomes was struggling at that point, but he had a game where he was able to turn it around. I think Aaron needs that game. The problem for Aaron is at what, what game is this going to be? Yeah, and we all mentioned this game later on, but I think the Buccaneers have found that game. Uh, the one that happened on Sunday. But, you know, I think we can all safely say, I mean, unless something goes horribly wrong, they aren't going to win the NFC North. I mean, they're currently four games behind the Vikings and they played a game more. Um, and they're in, are only one game behind the 49ers who currently occupy the seventh spot in the playoff picture as it stands. But I'm looking at their next few games. I mean, they go play the Dallas Cowboys next, who I think have been pretty good. Um, on defensive-wise, they've been Unbelievable. Micah Parsons is, I think, Hall of Fame already. Then they've got to play the Titans. I mentioned their rushing defence. Derrick Henry's going to have a field day against this Packers rush defence. And then the Eagles. Um, you know, Again, their team that I think will go into this game 10-0, uh, 11-0. And then they've got to play the Bears, who you know, haven't been great this year, but they've shown signs. And I think they've, they've been better than I thought they thought they'd be at times. And I think they could give them a hard game. They've got a bye. Then they've got the Los Angeles Rams, who, you know, having their struggles um, this season, but that's still a team that has all the players and all the uh, in every position to be way better than they are. And I think that they could... And then they play on Christmas Day, a game for me that's very close to my heart. Dolphins in Miami, 6pm UK time, which I'm going to try and get somehow in the family household on that day. And then they got to play the Vikings. But see, I think the Bears may be the exception, but all those games are losable. I think the Dallas can beat them, Tennessee can beat them, Eagles can beat them, the Bears on their day could beat them, I think the Rams on their day, I think they could generally be on three wins come the final day. I don't think that, I think they will some somewhere find a groove, but I'm going to I'm gonna put it out there. I think the Packers will be only win one more game this year. I really do think they'll end the season maybe with five wins because I think the Dallas are too strong at the moment. Tennessee, Eagles, I think all these teams I've mentioned, I think they're all, I think they can all beat the Packers. So I think generally... The Packers will end the season with just five wins. I really do. I think there's too many there's too many problems. I think Aaron Rodgers is having a really tough time. And I just think with there was Sean Gary's out now out for the season as well. Defensively wise, they're gonna struggle even more. So I'm gonna put out there, I think the Packers are gonna be a five win team this year. I mean, that is that is bold. Uh, you know what? It pro- you're probably right based on how the defense is playing as well. And probably this is a blessing in disguise because then you'll end up really high in the draft and you may need pieces defensively because the defense is looking awful. Same with offense as well. Like, I feel like you might need another... You, you, I think it's clear that there are issues on both sides 
obviously mm. the glaring issue was the offensive issue. Your star receiver is left. But I think the issue people overlooked was the issue of the defense. And now we're getting to the point where people are seeing that this Packers defense is terrible. So now it's like, would you so now it's like, would you do? How do you fix this issue? The ideal solution probably is not saying tank, but if you do end up having a losing record by some margin, you, there is some positivity in that because you'll probably be able to strengthen on both sides of on both sides of the field, position wise. Yeah, I mean, if if they, if they have these three wins, I'll probably have you know five wins. I should say they'll probably be third or fourth in the ranking. I think there's people like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Miles Murphy on defense that are coming out of college that have got loads of big sort of you know big hype and then receiver wise there's a uh, Jackson Smith uh Najiba there's Quentin Johnson um Kayshawn Butte who are the three wide receivers that people are talking about as well coming out of the draft and I I think that'll be where they I think they need someone that can stop the run or someone that can catch the ball and I think they'll personally looking at recent drafts they'll probably go for the defensive side of things and they'll probably go for a a lot, maybe a linebacker or defensive tackle that can probably stop the run because I think they're you know the passing defense isn't actually that bad it's just the, the run game is horrible right now for them on defense so I, I think that's where the Packers will strengthen whether they're I think with whether third or whether they do pick it up and get seven eight wins I think they could even get a good um, run stopper in with a 15th pick or something like that so I, I do think the Packers are gonna you know be fine. I think this season is probably just a write-off, a bit like Liverpool, uh, even though we got a win recently. Um, so <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I think I'll be absolutely fine. I think, but again, probably going on a bit too long about the Packers. But I do think that the Packers, Rogers, you got to think: will he stay on? That it's one thing you got to consider is whether he has the patience to stick with us at his age. So I guess we'll find out on that matter whether they do either stay or not. But the other games we want to focus on, another game we want to focus on is another shock result, um, even more of a shock result really, was the New York Jets beating the Buffalo Bills by 20 points to 17. I mean, did anyone expect the pack the Bills to lose this game to the Jets? I don't I, think I, I, I got a lot to talk about this game, by the way. This game frustrated me. Um as in um if you're a Bills fan, be very disappointed in your team. Yeah, for this game, it was a really weird game for me, looking at the stats. I mean, Josh Allen had one of his, I think, one of his weirdest games, um, particularly since his you know, his development from being a questionable quarterback to being one of the best in the league. For me, still is the second best in the league, in my opinion. And him, Mahomes, will have that rivalry, you know, like, like Manning and Brady in the past. And I think that, you know, it's very rare you see him have no touchdowns, two picks, um, I think he does still lead the passing yards wise, but and he still led the rushing game for both teams. Um, but he did have some really costly interception. I think that's what for me, that's what the game came down to. I think that Zach Wilson for me, I do not get how the Jets so got so many wins because it's not down to him. I think it is the running game and the defense because Zach Wilson, I think, has still been terrible this year. I don't think he's been wow. good. <laughs> It's just I I I, 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 when I I don't watch Jets every every down. I, I watch them sort of you know through the NFL highlights. Which I got to say right now, don't know what's going on with the NFL or YouTube highlights. Something's going on where they keep missing plays. So I don't know who they've, whether they've got a new person. But either way, you know, I'm trying to watch the highlights there. 
I'm not seeing anything of him that's any good. I mean, I'm looking at the stats now. He's 27th in the league when it comes to passing yards. When it comes to passing touchdowns, he is 33rd um, with just four passing touchdowns this season, which is, you know, considering, you know, we mentioned Rodgers struggles, he's still way above him when it comes to passing yards. Ten more passing touchdowns for Rodgers than that Wilson. He's got less touchdowns. Then Bailey Zapp, then Cooper Rush, Taylor Heineke. He's got less touchdown passes than Joe Flacco, right? So he's played three double the games that Flacco's had. And <laughs> he's got only three hundred more yards passing wise and only and got um two less passing touchdowns. So for me, I think even though they might have the you know, as it stands, might have the twenty first, twenty second, uh twenty third pick in the draft. Um, I still think that they should look for quarterback because he, for me, I know he got a lot. Of, I know he got a lot of off-season talk with the whole Evans sort of his own almost became a cult hero for his off the off the field actions. But <laughs> on the field, he's got more interceptions and touchdowns. Zach Wilson, for me, needs to be gone. I think he is. I think right now he's the worst starting quarterback in the league. Oh my he, God. He, 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 maybe maybe PJ Walker or Baker Mayfield, but either way, Zach Wilson has not been good. It's down to it's a good thing they, they traded for James Robinson because Brees Hall was running a show on offense for me. I think James Robinson will do the same thing. So fancy owners, get him in your teams. Um, but the Bills, I think, good. I think they'll be fine. I still think they'll get the number one or number two overall seed. I think I still think. I mean, the one thing though, uh, I'll, I'll get we'll get actually talk about later on. But Josh Allen's injury could be an issue for them. But um, what was your take on on this game, Javan? Uh, can we can, can we can we address the Zach Wilson slander? This this is I'm I'm like, I'm not even a big fan of Zach Wilson too, but I thought that was super harsh. I was like, I mean, who's, tell who's me, this tell man? Something, tell, tell me something good he's done. Tell me something good he's done this year. I think on the field. I think I think he's just been decisive enough to win these games. Clearly, 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 he's doing something right. Otherwise, the Jets wouldn't be six and three. I, I've, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a game changer on, um, on, on offense. But, 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 but at this point, well, at this point, something's definitely working. He's, he's, he's going toe to toe with, with the teams that he's facing in the NFL simply because he's doing enough without uncertainty. In essence, they're playing to his pace, which is quick. He just reminds me of Darwin Nunes of Liverpool now. Oh, well, 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 well. We, we, we mentioned slander. We're not having that kind of slander on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to, not going to slander Nunes. But I'm just saying, just in terms of Nunes, Nunes, when it comes to, I guess, quick movements and stuff like that, like when you need a reaction as soon as possible, Nunes springs to life. But if you give Nunes time to think, Nunes panics, and it's the same with. Wilson, I think that's just what I'm just seeing on um, when I'm watching the Jets. It's a thing of okay, Zach Wilson is thriving when he's not needing time to think. But if you give him time to think, he will mess up. And I think that's what the, it's, it's what's working with the Jets right now. They're just playing to his pace. If you slow things down, or if the coaching staff chooses or opts to slow things down. It will cost them because that's not Zach Wilson's style, and I don't think he can really adapt to a slow pace. Yeah, this is my issue with Zach Wilson that um, 
the game against Bills was the first game this season where he's had more touchdowns than interceptions. I mean, he's he's played six games, three of them, he's had no touchdowns or interceptions. One game, his first game against the Steelers, he had one touchdown, two picks. They still won the game. Um, and then the Patriots game, he threw for two interceptions, three interceptions and two touchdowns, which was their only loss so far. So that's the one thing I will give him credit for, that he's winning games. I know... It's not. I think for me, it's not down. It's down to his the run game and the defense. But he is still winning games, so I got to give him some credit for that. But I just don't think that he is the guy moving forward. And I, I genuinely think Joe Flacco would do better right now than Zach Wilson. I, I, I don't. I, I have no problem. I have no problem with that take because I'm not the biggest Zach Wilson fan. Mm. I just think Zach. I just think Zach Wilson is performing the task that the coaches asking him to do, mm. which is basically, look, don't screw up too much. And we're going to play to your pace because it works right now for you. Um, if we opt to s- slow things down or slow the offense down or slow down the tempo, we're going to bring Joe in because he seems to manage that kind of tempo more. So he can dictate the tempo more, better. Sorry, not more. He can dictate. Yeah, he can dictate it better than Wilson can. Yeah, and I, I do think that um, this goes back to another point: is the fact that that AFC East is. I think actually we've got to give it to Olivia, one of our, our Jets fans who's come on a podcast who did this great tweet saying that the AFC East is what the AFC West wants to be. And I think looking at going back to this playoff picture right now, all four teams at the division are in the top eight when it comes to the top eight. So Pages are currently eighth, just missing out. Dolphins are currently ranked sixth, Jets fifth. And then we got the Bills still number one. So that division for me is going to be, I think it's going to be exactly what we thought the AFC West is going to be. It's going to be electric. And I think that, you know, the final day, I think, could be, for me, absolutely nerve-wracking. <laughs> but um, for neutrals, it's going to be great. If that division stays the way it is and you've got just one win between first and fourth when it comes to the last day, and of course, you all know the last day of the season now is all division games, I, I think that. I think we're going to see potentially one of the greatest ends of season. Final days, up. I mean, last season was pretty good. So I think this season will be as good as it comes to that. And I think that all four teams are good. I mean, the Patriots have really surprised me. Five and four with what seems like no callback capable right now of playing. The Jets, we mentioned just the Jets. We mentioned the Dolphins before. And the Bills, even though they lost, they're still a pretty good team. So I think... Yeah, I think you've got to give credit to you know this division for how good these teams have been. But either way, it's going to be you know an exciting end to the year. Um, other games go on on Sunday. So the Vikings narrowly beat the Commanders after being seventeen to ten down with a twenty to seventeen win as Kirk Cousins beat his former team in Washington. Las Vegas Raiders let a big lead slip as they lost twenty seven to twenty to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then before we mention our two Sunday games, we're going to. Uh, look at a bit more depth. The Sunday night football game saw the Chiefs beat the Titans 2017 in overtime, and Monday night saw the Baltimore Ravens beat the New Orleans Saints by 27 points to 13 at the Superdome. Um, so our penultimate game is one close to Javan's heart. It's the Seattle Seahawks, who won again with a tw- 31 to 21 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Geno Smith led the way with 275 passing yards. Kenneth Walker was the leader in rushing with 109 yards. And then receiving-wise, Noah Fant led the way with 96 yards. And currently, that means that the Seattle Seahawks, who, you know, a team no one thought would do well at the start of the year, they're currently, as it stands, the third-best team in the NFC. 
with a six and three record. You know, they're winning the division by two games. Um, it's just been a brilliant, brilliant season for you guys. Um, and as a Seahawks fan yourself, Javan, what's your take been on what's been a tremendous um, season, really? I mean, I said it to you in, no, you said it to me in, in, in the chat. Let Gino just cook. Yes, I, I, exactly. I, I look. I couldn't tell you what is going on. If you guys remember the preview that I had about the Seahawks, my prediction, I believe, was four and twelve. I, I might be. I might I, be wrong. Yeah, I think it was. I won't say it was five wins. I think you had the lowest predicted record. I think you. Maybe Graham, who I actually met last week, I think Graham had a quite low record for his Texans. Um, I, I have to get it up somewhere, but I think it was five wins. Yeah, and, and just, I, again, we're just exceeding expectation. And also, it's like the, I have to give credit to Pete Carroll here. And a lot of it has to do with the, these guys are certainly thriving in the atmosphere that they're in right now because I think the positivity he's spreading, it's contagious. It's rubbing on to a lot of these players in particular Gina Smith, who seems to be the biggest beneficiary of this as uh, of this of all of the guys, really, to be honest. And like I obviously talked to you saying that, you know, he'd be in contention for comeback period of the year, but Saquon, I think now from now looking back at that statement that I made, uh, Barkley will probably win it and probably deserve it too. Um I it's, this has to be one of the best stories because Genuinely, when going back to the start of the season, we I thought we were going to head into Munich with Russell Wilson on this team, and it was going to be Brady v. Wilson. And we now have a story where it's the greatest ever quarterback against a quarterback who, you know, was going through so much, going through so many teams, the, the turnover in his career just in terms of, okay, what do I do in terms of becoming the best quarterback I can become. And he's found himself at such an environment where they've just welcomed him and they've just said to him, look, we're going to give you just a fresh start and you know, we want you to give your best. But in Pete Carroll, he's essentially given him the blueprint to be the most successful QB he can kind of be right now. Where this goes, I, I don't know. I, if I knew, I'd be a billionaire and... I'd probably own the Seahawks and probably wouldn't have Genus with playing at QB. I'd probably have somebody else. Um, but I just love this story. This is just, a, this is, this is why we love the NFL because of stuff like this. I, I'm a Seahawks fan and I couldn't have predicted this. So to see how my team is playing with such chemistry and the fact that it just looks like everyone's enjoying their football is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, we've we've mentioned before, I mean, I mentioned it with Freddie um, Harper-Davis on a previous podcast that, you know, we all thought Pete Cow was holding Russell Wilson back. And I think we've always seen so far that maybe he was holding him back for a reason. I think that you got to look at the trade as well, you know, getting in someone like, you know, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, um, and obviously Junior Smith. They've all performed better than Russell Wilson. And I think that, and they've, I think the draft did really well, getting people like um, Charles Cross, who I was massive on 
before the season and boy and obviously boy Mafe was someone they took in the draft as well um and you know they've both got two sacks both um boy Mafe and shelby harris you know and i think that i think it's also genius from the from the from the coach from the back from the office the fact that you know they have got this trade executed well actually it's come off at least for this season really well and i think i've been looking at junior smith i remember last season as well when Russell Wilson had those games where he was injured for the first time in his career, and there was times where Gina Smith was looking really good and then did something silly. But actually looking at his stats in more detail, it's not been a single game where he's had more interceptions and touchdowns. He had five in four games, he had five touchdowns on one interception. Beat the Jaguars with two touchdowns, zero picks, had one touchdown, zero picks against the Saints, same against the Sea Steelers, and then one one each against the Rams. So I think even last season, you saw signs of him actually being comfortable in the system. And I think now he's got his chance, but I think everyone's loving it. He's performing really well. And I think that on the flip side, look at Russell Wilson, who's struggled massively in Denver. Um, and I think that for me personally, as you said, you got to give a lot of credit to um, Pete Cowell. And I think right now, I think the Rams will mention him after this game, but they look nowhere near the side we saw last year, despite having the same players. You know, the 49ers may be a team that you may, you know, have to be wary of because they are, you know, Chris McCaffrey's come in. I think he's another player that could win comeback player of the year because he looks already like a great fit for the Shanahan system. And I think that you guys, I'm going to look at your schedule now. It's, you've got to look at, this could be, you know, I think this is already the feel-good story of the year. I think that, I think personally that you guys could well, I think with the momentum it is at the moment, I think you guys, I think the NFC Championship game, it's your ceiling. I really do think that, you know, you've beaten the, you've beaten the Cardinals, the Chargers, you've beaten the Cardinals twice, actually, beat the Broncos, teams that you maybe you thought you'd lose to. I mean, I will say that the rainy schedule is pretty tough. You've got the Buccaneers next, albeit neutral ground in Germany. You got the Raiders, who that's a win for me. You got to play the. You still got the Rams, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Rams twice actually as well, and then the Jets, who have been great this year. So, I think that schedule is, is a real test to you guys. But you've beaten teams that no one thought you'd beat before the season started. So, I think for you guys, it's definitely it's a positive time. And you never know. You never know with the NFC. Not exactly. You know, the Eagles and Vikings are kind of leading the way, but you know, NFC is wide open. And I think you guys. I think there's no reason why you couldn't make a Super Bowl appearance. Agreed, agreed. But we need to talk about the Cardinals. I'm worried. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a question for you. Okay, fire away. Is Kingsbury done? Because I think he is. I'd say in normal situations he would be. I think he maybe will be fired already, but he did get that big new deal in the off-season. So I do think it's a question of you know, I think personally, I think Steve Kime is more on the hot seat for me than Kingsbury. I think Kingsbury. Oh, yeah, I think Kingsbury, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I do think that they may just think, "I'll oh, just bite the bullet, just pay him the money he needs to go away." But uh, I don't know where the coaching stuff goes into the salary caps. So maybe they'll just think, "You know what? To hell with it. Just pay him the money he wants to to end that." Was it five seven year deal they've got with it now? I think he's there till twenty twenty seven. Um, but I think, you know, you've seen his relationship completely torn down with Kyler Murray. You've seen Kyler Murray telling him to calm down, which I've never seen before a quarterback tell the head coach what to do uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. So I think 
there's big questions got to be asked of of um, Kingsbury, and I think Kyler Murray isn't completely out of um, the blame. But I think personally, I think that Kingsbury for me is his third year now. I think third year, fourth year as a coach in the NFL, and for me. I've not seen anything that's convinced me. I mean, he had that great start last season, but then we all saw that fade away. You know, both seasons he's had in full, they've had a collapse, and they've got Hopkins back now, and he can't even win games with him. They're three and six, and they're in a, even though it's not been what we thought, it's still a tough division, the NFC West. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that, I, I think the Cardinals will just pull the trigger and just end that deal and just pay and just, pay the money really this this is why this is why andy runs a podcast a very 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 good point i i i had this in my notes that he, he needs to go um I, i'm worried just with Kyler murray in terms of potential whether it's been damaged to a degree where he will now be a different player because of kingsbury i don't know this yet because there's still time to turn it around, but it looks worrying because he's now starting to look kind of like a different Kyler Murray and not for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I let I, I us know. I'm going to try and find out now what his stats are because I don't remember, I don't think I've seen, unless I'm completely mistaken, many of those highlight plays you see him play in the first two years where he'll run and do all this and do that. I, I, I don't know whether you know the coaching staff have told him to you know um rate it down a little bit but he's he's still 11th when it comes to passing touchdowns um you know so he's not been but looking at the rushing wise i mean i look at it now i don't think unless i'm completely wrong he's had too many highlight plays this year and i think he's just not been the same i mean the quarterback with the most rushing yards right now is obviously Lamar Jackson with Justin Fields seconds, but he just—I just don't think he's been the same. And I think you're completely right. I just don't think he has been the same for Colin Murray, and he's not even looking at it now. I know obviously he's comparing to running backs, but Josh Allen has oh here yeah, he's 34th when it comes to rushing yards. So we see more rushing yards from Daniel Jones, more rushing yards from Josh Allen more rushing yards from Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. So he's fifth at the moment when it comes to rushing yards, which, again, I, for quarterbacks, I, I just yeah, I just don't think he's... I think you're right. I don't think he's the same quarterback as we, we've seen in the past. Yeah, that, that dynamism that got him to this league, that made him being looked at as this, you know, potentially this great QB in this league, for some reason, he's just gone. I, I just don't know why. Yeah, it has been. We mentioned a weird season. I think it definitely hasn't been what we thought we'd be. Speaking of which, the final game is the Buccaneers against the Rams. Both teams have completely gone against expectations. I mean, for me, the Buccaneers got the win in the end with a 16-13 to win, and I do think that that is the win that will get the Buccaneers back to the way they're in. They're in the playoffs as it stands. The vision is pretty terrible at the moment, and I think they'll, they could easily still win the division. And, but the Rams, for me, is a bigger worry for me because... You know, Tom Brady, you could put it down to, you know, the lack of, you know, the sort of the injuries to offensive line and the retirements as well. And put down to the fact that, you know, he had Gronk and he had uh, Antonio Brown and they replaced them with people like, you know, Julio Jones and Russell Gage, who have neither of them really done anything really in the Buccaneers jersey. But 
But for me, the Rams have not lost anyone really. They they kept they gave new contracts to Cooper Cup, to Coop, uh, Matt Stafford, to Jalen Ramsey. And I, I know they lost Andrew Whitworth, but I don't think I I can't even put, I think it's defense. I can't even put it down to offense because you're still seeing Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford perform well. But I I, I just don't know what is going on with the Rams. I really can't put my finger around it. I really can't because they've not lost anyone. If apart from Whitworth, everyone's the same. Coaching staff, you know, maybe Kevin O'Connell not been there. Maybe has an impact. I don't know. But they're now, they've only won three games this year. They're three wins behind the Seahawks. So, again, it will take a massive, massive, um, you know, downfall from the Seahawks or even the 49ers to um, to allow the Rams to win a division. And I think we saw them, after losing the Super Bowl, have a difficult year. And I think we could well see the same again. I, I've got what I've got a person to blame here, and it's got to be McVeigh for me. I don't know why. I don't know why it, but it seems like every time I watch the Rams, they look desperate to lose, and I have to call out the coach for this because it's definitely not coming from the players because we've seen the character of these same players at the very top. Like an Aaron Donald, like 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 yeah, like Aaron Donald. I just don't understand where the mental the mentality for me is just for some reason just gone. I've got no clue why that is. He's just moving sheepish, and he moved, and it occurred in this game. It just looked, it just looked like they were void of anything. Like at least the Bucks offered something. The Rams offered nothing. Why is Matthew Stafford? moving so reckless with the ball like calm down like you're not being held at gunpoint take time at least like you're giving cooper cup is for me now i'm looking at him like hall of fame worthy because you know, he was already hall of fame worthy for me anyway but it's it he's looking like a god because for some reason he's still being able to play well like he's pretty good at football um and then you have and then you have like the kind of the effort that's being given into the team, I have to call them out on it because I I just don't think they're given enough, and I think they need to, I think they need to kick into another gear because, like, this Rams team, it's it's looking like they're not being able to score, but the defense which they were historically known for is now looking like they're a bit susceptible to you know, just having off nights. But these are just one nights. These are just off nights one too many times. I just couldn't tell you. I, I just couldn't tell you why it's happening, but surely it would have to come from the coach because it's not like the players have just gotten bad and broken their leg all at the same time. Do you think a part of it is down to maybe, we see this with Liverpool a couple of years ago, we see it with certain teams. Um, Chelsea had it a couple of times where, you know, you get something you've been wanting all your life. Like you get sit around, they, all these players were dying out. Aaron Donald was a man possessed in the playoffs. They got the Super Bowl ring. They've got, you know, they've got what they need. And they've, a lot of them have got their big pay package now. Do you think a part of it goes down to almost a bit like there's, like, there's a theory, I forgot what it's called now, where a lot of athletes who win Olympic golds, they find it hard to know what to do next because they worked all their life to, to win a gold medal or win a Super Bowl ring. But then after that, What's next? I don't know whether it's just the fact that their desire to win has gone for this season alone because they know they just want a ring and they're sort of 
maybe taken things for granted. I don't know. Maybe because they won it, they think they can just win every game. But um, I don't know what you think about that, Joran. I, I could agree with that to an extent because obviously we've seen these with we've seen these with NFL teams in the past, and obviously the analogy that you use with the Premier League teams, we've seen this too. But I, I just feel like with that, like these are these are these are these are veterans in the league, so this is possible. But I just think from a character's perspective, like from the roster itself. It'd be very weird for all of them to just suddenly be like, okay, you know what? Forget this season. We're just going to write off completely. Everyone just enjoy kind of the Super Bowl win. But we can't do that because we're in the middle of a whole nother season. And I and I get the hangover, but are you telling me the coach had a hangover too? Like, I, I, I understand if the players' performance has dropped off, but for me, I feel like McVeigh's performance has dropped off considerably. And I, I just don't understand why. Like, why the coach, the person in kind of in charge of keeping this in tune, it seems like he's the one, if anything, advocating that, okay, you guys just drop everything off. The only person that I can actually look at and be like, he's actually given her all, is Raheem Morris. That's the only person I can actually look at and be like, okay, he looks like... He's trying to save the ship a bit. But with McVeigh, I feel like he's been the main guy in terms of the ship, the ship sinking. And it might be due to the desire to win and you finally get there and it's like, oh, okay, what do we do now? Yeah, I mean, looking at the stats, I mean, the Rams actually defensively have been pretty good. They're, they have the third best run defense with just 787 yards allowed. And they have the 11th best pass defense, which is currently down as a total of 1,712. But for me, which is completely shocking when I was looking at the stats, the Rams not only have the second worst run defense, sorry, run offense in the league, they have the 10th worst passing offense in the league. So since the yards they've got, only nine teams have worse, have worse um, yards total. And I think that surprised me because, you know, I think, you know, there's an element where, you know, after Cooper Cup, who you throwing it to? Because Alan Robinson has not been what we thought he'd be. You know, there's no more, yeah. um, you know, Robert yeah. Woods is there anymore. And yeah. Skoranek, however you say his name, I don't think is is him, is the guy. So I don't, I, I do think there's an element there where it's like, if you stop Cooper Cup, they sort of have no plan B when it comes to offense. I think run-wise, I was really surprised they didn't try and go for, you know, someone in, in the in the trade deadline. Um, because I think that's what they need. And I think run, they're running wise, they've been awful. And um, so I think the Rams. I think like maybe the Packers will just put us down. Will probably put us down to a year off. But I again, I have no doubt that next year, all the year afterwards, they'll be fine. But there is that danger now because they've gone all in with giving away draft picks. They've gone all in with giving these massive deals to all these big name players. But if say if next season they have struggles again when it comes to their offense-wise, um, or they win maybe not enough to get the first again for a second year. You have to, end, have to then start asking questions about what happens in the future, because if they've gone all in, they only win one ring with what they've done in the, office, in the front office, then that's probably a failure, because that team, on paper, should be winning, should right now be the second or third seed in the NFC. They should be, you know, they, they got you know, Cooper Cup, they've got Matt Stafford, they've got Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner's there. You know, 
Tyler Higby's a great cable tight end. It's it's not like they're playing with 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 people that you don't know, guys off the street. They're playing with really good players. I I just have no idea why this is happening. Really, I have no idea. We might see. We might be seeing kind of the foundations of a collapse with this team, particularly more glaring and even more quicker than you might think, mainly because there's no long-term plan with this team. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that it is going to be an interesting off-season. I, I think um, I think the Rams fair play, they got their ring. And I think, um, you know, a lot of teams like myself, I'd, I'd happily take what happened what's happened to them right now if, if it meant winning a Super Bowl. And for me, if you told me you could win a Super Bowl <laughs> and then next year go go three and three and fourteen, I, I would take that in a heartbeat. I really would because I think take it for myself, all the fans probably wouldn't who see if you've seen your team win a ring, fair enough. But for me, um I've never seen the Dolphins even win a playoff game, let alone win a Super Bowl. So I think for me They've done what they wanted to do. They've got the ring. They've got what they desired. And I think that is something that a lot of fans will be happy with. But I think this could be an almighty collapse in the next two or three years if they don't sort their crap out, basically. Yep. But that is the end of this week's Week 9 review. So I just want to say thank you to Javan for coming on, first of all. And we're going to give you a chance to promote your new boss, fairly new podcast, uh, Talk Your Talk. So it is fairly new. Well, for me anyway, because I'm actually like a new member. Um, uh, subscribe to the YouTube. That's Talk Your Talk podcast. Subscribe to the, um, not subscribe, but follow the TikTok in particularly. Really heavy on there as well. Um, we've got some content coming up on the way that should, should that should be uploaded in the next couple of hours or so. Obviously, just check the Twitter. And to be honest, um, keep following Andy's adventure in the States. Because honestly, um, the jealousy is very, very high. I have to dial it down. Otherwise, I might break my laptop in half. Um, <laughs> but um, I hope that um, I hope that you're actually enjoying your time in the states. Um, in more, you know, more importantly, um, this that yeah, that experience is just honestly just unreal to have. And oh. Um, I was going to make a bold NFL prediction, but I don't actually have one. Oh, God, um, I, I want one now. That wasn't on the, on the script. I, I want one now. I, I want you to <laughs> give me some sort of... Um, like, let's, let's say, because I think this is something, actually, we've got five minutes left on the recording, but one thing I do, I do think that hasn't been talked about much, I don't think as a clear candidate this year, is MVP. Um, so I'm going to give you, let's say, let's say, one team right now, who's your MVP pick? And give me one team who's currently got a losing record that you think could make a run for the for the play for the playoffs and Super Bowl. Oh, that's good. Uh oh. Current MVP? Oh. Ah, I it, it might for me it might have to be Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. It might have to be Jalen Hurts. And not because he's the best player on the best team. I actually think he's when you look at the QBs that if you look at the QBs, I actually think he's improved the most. He's improved as a pocket passer, great under pressure. For some reason, just I didn't expect the improvement to be this vast in such a short amount of time. And my team that has a losing record that can actually turn it around, um, I'm going to go with... I, I have to go with the Bengals. I loved them last year. And I need... 
I need Burr. And um, just to interrupt you, they have got a winning record. Just oh, they have. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's bad. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm gonna go. You know, what? I'm gonna go with the Rams. I as yeah. much as I as much as it would probably be enjoyable for me to not have them there. Something just tells me that okay for sure for McVeigh, call them all in together, have a meeting, discuss what the hell is going on. Um, you might need to throw some curse words at several players. Um, more importantly, to Stafford, don't have Cooper Cup in the meeting because he's probably the only one that's actually doing great. To be fair, and th- and literally just start as if it's a new season from here because it's been a disaster so far. Yeah, I, I, that was actually my pick as well, the Rams. I think they're the only team really in the Falcons, the Saints, Packers. I don't think any of them are going to turn things around, but I think the Rams have the players to do that. In terms of the MVP, I think I'm actually going to give this to not a quarterback because I think Mahomes for me would be the, I think the player who could think quarterbacks always win it. So I think Mahomes would be, for me, I think he's been the best quarterback this year. But... I'm going to give it to a guy who has really changed the team. And I think he's been, he's, he's the fastest player to get a thousand yards in a season in Super Bowl, his, Super Bowl history, Super Bowl era history. Um, um, apologies for my bias here. Tyree Kill. I think. Oh, good shout. I think Tyree Kill, I think for me, is, he is, the, I mean, Jalen Waddle's been brilliant as well, but I think Tyree Kill has been outstanding. And I, I think for me, Shout out to Martin Lydon, who um, said the same thing as me, that he might be the best receiver I've ever seen in a Dolphins jersey. and might be the best ever Dolphins receiver in history, before, even before me, even in the Dan Reno era, in the 72 unbeaten team, and 73 Super Bowl winning team and all that. I think Tyree Kill is the offense. I think that Tyree Kill, when he, even when he doesn't play, we still, we can still win games, but I think that was down to two and not being there. I think he has helped to us so much, both off the field and on the field. Tyree Kill, for me, is so crucial to our offense. I think that's why, for me, right now, I'd give the MVP to Tyree Kill. But I do think that, as it's gone in recent years, I think they will give it to Mahomes, my opinion, personally, because I think he, the Chiefs have got one of the best records. Josh Allen could win it. I think the Bills, I think they'll give it to the team that's won the most games and whichever quarterback is that, I reckon. But I, my vote would be Tyree Kill. Um, but yeah. Great, great shout. Yeah, I, I think I... Already loved the guy, and I really, I've loved watching him play both on TV but also in person. And he's been lights out electric. Um, but yeah, that is the end of our podcast, our week nine review. Um, we are going to give you also a week ten preview after our week absence, so you can find out from from last time whether me and Freddie have gone to the top three in the leaderboard. Right now, um, Paul Hope is the leader on the leaderboard, but can me and Freddie from two weeks ago? You can find out in our week 10 preview whether we beat that record. So thank you. I've been Andy. This has been Japan. And we will catch you guys next time. See ya.